Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. Today I'd like to welcome Roshan Vani to the show. Roshan Vani is the COO and one of the co-founders of Nexus PMG. Roshan, welcome to the show. Hey Raj, happy new year. How are you doing? Good, happy new year to you. Roshan, I'd like to kick things off with, you know, some of your observations from last year, 2019, seem to be a pivotal time in climate change, climate movement. And, you know, I, I know that you're on the ground quite a bit. What have you seen regarding some of these, you know, renewable and sustainable sectors, some of the changes you've seen? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think what we're seeing at Nexus, um, and to try to answer your question, I can probably best point to, um, I'll call it the inbound uh, opportunities that come to Nexus. We've seen a very large shift in in opportunities specifically in uh, the the sustainable um, clean sector um, economy uh, types of projects. So, you know, whereas only in the last couple of years, and I call it 2014, 2015, we were seeing um, a lot of different requests coming from uh, funds and private equity to do, I'll call it more traditional based infrastructure uh, assessments and due diligence what we're seeing now in terms of what's in our top of the funnel and where the types of projects we're evaluating, we're seeing probably almost double the number of waste to value specifically types of projects, everything from looking at different solutions, um, whether it be in uh, cow manure, just agricultural waste in general, um, as well as municipal solid waste. So are you seeing an uptake in investor interest or do you think it's coming from both sides investors developers etc i think the development community and and i'm probably providing more of an opinion than a fact here but has been in existence for quite some time i think what we're seeing are there's definitely an interest in in the investment community where we're seeing specialized funds um, that that are coming in and investing in this space and trying to advance developers and technology um, to solve different uh, waste problems in our current economy. Um, you know, solid waste management in general is, is a universal issue. It's one that's not going away and I think only getting worse over time. I mean, I, we, as, as a human race and, and, and economy now, we, we're basically consumer driven, um, which generates quite a bit of waste. Um, pretty much anything you buy, there's an entire supply chain behind it that has its own different levels of waste streams um, that are generated. And I think there's a lot of folks that see opportunity now in that, in that sector to both do good um, as well as I think on you know other po- podcasts, you always talk about the triple bottom line. You know, be able to um, do good, but also uh, build healthy companies. I know that last year you were on the road quite a bit, and you're visiting different teams and municipalities. And last year also we had that issue where China has decided to no longer take waste from the U.S. Are you seeing any reverberations through those communities, or more questions coming up regarding that? You know, I think we're definitely seeing, let me kind of answer that differently. Mm -hmm. As we talk to whether it be organizations that want to be 
more sustainable, be it airport as an infrastructure, you can only imagine how much waste airports generate, mm-hmm. or it be municipalities that are trying to solve the waste problem. I, I think coming back to what I mentioned earlier about investors seeing that as a potential opportunity, I think with the social change that is happening, organizations, whether it be a public or a private organization, are, are looking internally to themselves and, and actually saying, what can we do to be better and how can we be more sustainable? And a lot of that, if you take that down even further, is being driven by the employees, by by the communities, um, by by the folks that, that they're effectively there to you know, whether they're developing a product or a service, their customer base or, or, or people that matter within their sphere, if you will, are demanding change. And I think that's sparking something really interesting. You know, for, for me, I spent a lot of time on our projects that we're executing, spent a lot of time internally talking to uh, folks within our company. And, I, you know, you even hear it within Nexus PMG of, you know, when I ask a lot of the new hires, like, why did you come and join us? You know, it, it, there's, I think there's a couple different answers I usually get, um, you know, from you're an interesting company, we feel like we could do something different um, all the way to we, we, we like what you, what you stand for. And the fact that Nexus PMG is going, you know, into uh, develop working with developers and investors in that circular economy. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that that's, that spark of mm-hmm. um, being socially conscious is, is happening at the lowest levels of organizations and communities, which is really starting to drive awareness, which is then causing, you know, infrastructure in general. I'm just going to use that broadly to look at at waste streams and figuring out ways to to solve the problem. And look, a lot of this technology has been around for a while. It's just how can we make it get it to a point where it's it's commercially viable right that's i think that's where we're seeing we're seeing more and more opportunities where where these types of projects uh, do pencil out two questions came to mind while you were speaking there one is regarding the projects now you're probably not able to disclose all the projects that you're working on but are there any favorites that come to mind or some that you see that has a lot of potential going forward for for me yeah, I mean, I just think in general, regardless of how you feel about, just use the term loosely, broadly, climate change, there is a massive waste problem. And I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on, you know, digging holes and putting our garbage into those holes is not a real long-term strategy. Um, mm-hmm. And so what excites me as an engineer, as, you know, I, I always struggle with what does a COO really do as a problem solver is what I like to define it as. There's a real problem um, in today's economy market in, in just how driven we are as a consumer-based society where I want to be part of the solution. And so broadly speaking, there is interesting technology that we're seeing, um, whether it be gasification, anaerobic digestion, pyrolysis, just lots of different technologies that exist today that have a real path to commercialization to solve. And I'll chalk it up to organic, coming up with solutions for organic waste, 
right? So anything that's comprised of hydrogen and carbon under the right conditions, we can put we can put this organic matter into one of many different black boxes that under the right conditions of temperature and moisture, et cetera, et cetera, you know, we can, we can move those at the molecular level, move them around and produce different byproducts with the trash we generate. And so if you think of that, you know, that term circular economy, you know, we are generating all this trash instead of just digging holes and throwing it into a landfill, you know, why can't we come up with good solutions? Um, And as a problem solver, that that's just a problem that I would love to be a part of solving. And that's what excites me. Um, you know, we're looking at a host of different things, but the, you know, and, and again, as a, as someone that is inspired in technology that spent a better part of my, you know, first 10 years in traditional energy, in power generation, you know, complicated processes excite me. I absolutely love wind and solar, but they're, you know, from a pure excitement level, a lot of the chemistry behind, what what goes into you know the everything from the thermal process to the just the technologies in general being able to take one thing and create something else by you know going through those different processes is is pretty exciting to watch and be a part of. It, it sounds really exciting, and I think this entire space, as I think I've heard you call it, waste to value. I, I think you know going forward, and to your point, regardless of which side of the aisle you sit on, if we can just you know, do a little bit better what we have right now. I don't think it should be, you know, it should matter what side you sit on. So I, I agree with you. Something you mentioned earlier regarding um, talent. What are you seeing from a talent pipeline? Do we need more people in this space? Um, you know, are there enough? How do you view the talent pipeline? Well, I'll do my best to continue to stay away from politics, but I, I <laughs> kind of drip it in here again. Um, you know, these plants are complicated they're they're industrial processes um and you know i think one of the things that i always try to do is look for areas of collaboration versus looking for things that divide us and so again regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on when it comes to climate change and you know where we're at from a co2 perspective both the labor pools that built the current infrastructure within the United States, everything from our natural gas, the same folks that are involved, um, you know, the same pipe fitters that are involved in, in the fracking process, you know, that labor talent pool is going to be the same talent pool of folks that as a society, we're going to lean on to help us redevelop our infrastructure in the United States. And so, I always like to look for the upside and everything. And so for me, we have a very, you know, we always hear, you know, just the, the trades in general are declining, but there, there are still very talented folks, um, you know, in the building trades within the United States. And I am excited about the fact that we can go out and rebuild our infrastructure um, and leverage the talent that exists right now um, on folks that are building more traditional um, energy-based process facilities. Because, I mean, just to be quite frank, the, the, the folks that are involved in building our, you know, our, I'll call it light commercial, um, you know, light industrial facilities, you know, red steel, if you will call it, the pre-engineered buildings are, are really not the same folks that we need on the industrial side when we talk about, 
you know, welding, you know, specialty alloy type pipes together or, and, and that pool of resources will be coming from traditional infrastructure, the folks that, you know, I'll call it, get demonized in this process. And so mm-hmm. that excites me. And then I think if you take that up to the professional services that feed that, right, your engineering, your project management, um, what we're seeing there is also an increased level of interest where there is a definitely a younger generation of folks that are in that industry um, I'll call that industry traditional infrastructure, traditional energy, rather, um, that have the skills and talents that we need to redesign and, you know, implement our infrastructure to be able to solve these types of problems um, and actually develop a proper circular economy, solving things like our waste, our waste problems. So I, I see there being a lot of talent and especially in in the next generation of engineers that are are joining more traditional companies that 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 build refineries build you know traditional gas fired power plants that necessarily don't have a passion for what they're doing but let's be real i mean we you know you got to be able to cover your bills i mean so mm-hmm. um in terms of recruiting in this sector it's been almost overwhelming when you know we do talk to people that um, that make the shift over to Nexus, you know, when I ask them, come and trying to turn, tie this all together, you know, why did you come to Nexus? You know, there's definitely a large percentage of younger engineers answering that question with, you know, we like, and it's not just engineering, by the way, it's project management, construction management. You know, we like what, what you stand for and what you're trying to do in, in the industry. And so, but I definitely wanted to open up with the idea of, of that, collaboration versus um, demonizing. Um, and there's definitely an element of that happening right now. Mm-hmm. So staying on the trades for a minute, and I've heard you say some numbers in the past, but for those that might not be aware, can you give some ballpark figures of the kind of salary ranges that you've seen for specific trades? Oh, I, I mean, you know, high pressure welding um, on on the road with per diem or they're, they're easily... Um, in the high 100s right now that we're seeing, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about folks that can actually, you know, that weld high pressure, um, you know, boiler tubes, for example. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a massive talent gap in in the specialty trades right now. So, but I think you're also seeing, you know, I know I've talked to others about it that are really interested in in both millennials and specifically the 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 Gen Xers behind them help me out here raj what's the generation yeah. after them? um i think the digitals natives yeah anyway i think there's a there's a huge shift in in terms of is college the only path um to a successful career and i think we will see at some point um a version of the the trades coming back i think what we've seen over the last 20 years or so that you know this idea of going to college as your way out and doing new different things is uh isn't for everyone. So, um, there's, there's definitely been a focus on, 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 I'll call it higher education. Um, and the trades have really suffered for that, but there is, um, there's definitely an opportunity for folks, um, in the trades and to build really cool things. You know, you know I've had, go ahead. I've, I've had the pleasure of having conversations with a couple of cities here in the area and 
they are actually trying to convey the same message that you did is that you know for the past let's call it 20 years there's been this whole push towards stem which i'm not saying is not important but you know college in general and like you said you know shun towards the tra- trades and they're trying to encourage more individuals to look at the trades because people aren't aware of the potential to to earn you know not only a good but perhaps a you know above average living in those trades yeah 100 percent. it's uh Anything in excess in one direction is always a bad thing. I'm just kind of like, I mean, you can almost point to anything, right? <laughs> so, yep. um, and it feels like that's what's happened over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. So, um, and, and it's, you know, I think you're, you're also seeing this idea of college as, you know, the only source of validating talent is slowly going away. I mean, I know Google has recently announced, you know, um, you know, four-year standard degrees aren't a requirement. I think you're seeing, it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't pretend to be a futurist or make predictions, but I do think there's going to be an element of specialty things, whether it be software development, um, traditional trades, and this idea of, you know, you don't really have to go into large amounts of student debt to be able to be happy and, and you know, start a career, you know, and it, like I said, you know, everything from robotics to, you know, what it was called RPA to, mm-hmm. um, you know, just software development, AI, machine learning. There, there's a lot of really interesting things that I think we, what we're going to see is these specialty institutions develop what mimic the trade schools of the past that will generate very strong talent for the, the, the technologies of the future, if you will, without the large debt structure that, that lives right now for uh, a traditional four-year and postgraduate degree. So it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So you said you're not a futurist, but let's just pretend you are for a moment. It's 2020 right now, January 2nd. Over the next decade or two, how do you see this space of perhaps waste of value, clean tech, uh, you know, this entire movement change or what do you see happening in this landscape if i point to the idea of what everyone always talks about with millennials and experiences and local you kind of sum that that up to what i think is going to be interesting in this world which is you know you've talked about in the past which is decentralization in general right Mm -hmm. you know this idea of shopping local shopping small going back to you know leave the big box stores, pay a little bit more for quality. And, um, you know, I, I see what we've gone through this idea of large centralized, let's take power, for example, I'm a power guy, but, you know, large generation, if, you know, moving, moving to more distributed decentralized power generation and the use of, you know, these, these microgrids and, you know, how, how can communities get together and become more self-sustaining? And then that, that, that morphs into, everything, all infrastructure around it, right? I mean, do we, do we then, can we then take that down into both the waste management as well? I mean, one of the things my wife and I were talking about is, you know, looking at how can we be more sustainable? And one of the ones, we have a lot of family in Toronto, but it's amazing when you were up there, just like kitchen scraps, right? They're, they, they have to compost up there. Like we should be composting more down here. We shouldn't be just throwing away everything, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and then going from that composting to growing more of our own fruits and vegetables, and so if I were to make a big gigantic, you know, prediction, 
you know, that I think that I would love to see more urban farmers and um, just decentralization in general. And, and as an operations guy, that's one of the things we even do from a business perspective. I mean, let's just take, this is going to sound really nerdy, but you know, when, when we looked at Nexus has been scaling at an astronomical rate Uh, and just, so just take something as simple as like expense reports, right? We would, Mm -hmm. we used to take everything from all of our, individuals and when we're you know we were five or six person company it was easy to go route all those invoices into one centralized place and then have you know our office manager sort and do all those things well you know as a a 60 plus person company that that idea of just centralized invoices coming into one place to be processed is so inefficient right so Mm -hmm. We implemented a real simple system. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to give plug all these different systems, but we put a little bit more burden on the individual to process their own expense reports, code it correctly, and then migrate that. You know, idea of decentralizing, if you will, is a terrible example with expense reports, but you know, taking that invoicing process and putting a little bit of extra burden on the individuals. Um, and we tried. I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of what we did with recycling. In, in municipal solid waste, right? Like, okay, now everyone in Dallas has two bins, one for recycling, right? And one for trash. And the burden was put on, you know, on the sorting on, on the individual. The problem is that that solution for the centralized waste management was now, you know, what do we do with all this plastic, let's say, right? To tying it back to right. your question earlier, well, we'll send it to China for them to process. Well, they don't, they have more than they don't know what to do with. So it's coming back, right? So mm-hmm. h- how, can we put a little bit of extra burden on the individual um, to make this process a little bit better? Again, my wife and I are trying to take some of that on with, you know, do we really need to throw away all of our kitchen scraps or can we compost, right? That's one of the things we're looking at right now. So that, that, that kind of, that would be my prediction is, is what can we do? And right now it's too easy, right? And that's part of the problem is no one really wants anything to change. And there, there are things in place that do make, our lives just a little bit easier. Take plastic bags at at the checkout counter, right? I know mm-hmm. at least here in Dallas they tried to implement it and there was huge pushback, but by by saying we're gonna charge you for a plastic bag, but those little bits of friction are what you need. I mean, if you talk to anyone that started a business or is trying to grow a business, I mean, friction is actually what makes it move, right? I mean, you need that tension and that push and right. pull to move things forward. So that's I, I guess that's where I would like to see more is if I were to make a prediction rather, but not like see more, but would be to to see where we can create those little bits of friction and go from this centralized idea and add just a little bit of extra burden to everyone else um, to, to, to not make it your local government's problem to go solve the waste problem on their own. But how can we collaboratively as a community solve that problem? So you're saying shared burden, which I actually do like the idea of. And as you were talking, I was just thinking that, you know, we get trash bins from the city what if we could pay you know a nominal amount and get a composting bin or barrel too from the city and then be responsible for taking care of that ourselves for sure right i i mean it's it's, it seems like a real simple idea right just It, it, it really it really does and i guess it's the idea of getting people to buy into the program you know there's been some other programs in the past where it's almost where, and I think I've seen it in 
solar or electricity where people are given these little signs and badges to put in their yard that their house is now solar or their utilities are now lower. And it almost creates this um, small like competitive mindset within a neighborhood and people tend to come into this thinking, okay, my neighbor's saving money, how can I save money? It becomes almost like a friendly competition. And I wonder if we can start doing things around trash with the same way where you, know, you get a compost bin from the city and you get to put a little tag or something on your window saying, I'm composting and kind of influence your neighbors to do the same behavior and then to your point, share that burden. Yeah, and it comes back to, I mean, if I were to refer to a couple of, because I'm an avid listener of your podcast, you know, I mean, I think CB, Dr. CB was talking about like the spheres of influence, right? So if you can kind of evaluate your own spheres of influence on, you know, where can you do your part just to start making a small difference? And it's those little steps that matter, right? And coming back to this idea of distribution, decentralization, it's not my problem, something, you know, it's someone else's problem. If we can all just take on a little bit of that, um, I think it could be super interesting to see what happens and, you know, how, how can we all collaboratively work together to solve our waste problem? Absolutely. So going back to talent, if there's talent out there right now looking to make a change or perhaps thinking that they're not sure what this you know space looks like, can you give some advice to them? I guess I will – the advice is I think a little bit broader in general, which is um, I think there's a lot of people that are interested in – a host of different things. And this is probably just one of many things that they're probably interested in. And I think there's just a simpler overarching message, which is network and grow your, grow, grow your, your network in these different areas to find out what's actually happening. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just lean into, you know, one of my big passions is small businesses and startups you know, and for the first several years of, of when we formed Nexus, we were heads down, building the business, not really outside of our own little bubble. Um, and so as I had additional time and free time, you know, one of the things that I just naturally enjoy doing is is interacting with other people. And so I, you know, got involved in the Dallas startup community, which at the time I had no idea how big it even was right. I mean, Dallas start mm-hmm. Dallas startup didn't even make. I didn't even. I, I thought if you wanted to be a startup, you're in Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> That's right. like you know that that was just my my idea. And then all of a sudden, you realize there's this whole network of people doing really cool things in the Dallas community. And even now to this day, when I talk to other people, they have it within just like you know whether it's other dads and in the dads group of our my child my children's daycare, they have no idea there's there's even a a a startup community. I mean, take that further to this conversation. I mean, there is there there are folks in Texas focused very very narrowly on um, you know green sustainable energy within just the ERCOT Texas market. Like, just go get involved. Show up to an event and and network and and then from there it's like the the, the possibilities are limitless, right? It's one of the things I think. Even in when you talk about talent in in this industry, I think a lot of folks, if I were to try to tie it back to how can you know the the folks that built the infrastructure of of our current environment, if you have a passion, you want to be building you know solar farms versus um, oil and gas refineries, you know best way to really 
go figure out what's out there is to go grow your network in those in those spaces in your own in your own free time and then depending on you know who you know and where you land you know and with a little bit of patience you know you can migrate away from those industries and into industries you really want to be in and and i really think that's true for anything honestly whether you're trying to grow a company whether you're trying to go learn how to develop the first viral virtual reality app or um you know for my wife and i just trying to figure out how to be more sustainable and teach our kids i mean there's there's basically local urban farming communities that we've been looking at because i think we both have a brown thumb (laughs) and so you know it's one of those things that i'd like to i'd like to be you know growing a little bit more in our in our backyard so that's one of the things i'm trying to do right now is figure out how to go reach out in those communities and learn how to grow some tomatoes well that's really interesting and i think it's a great place to leave off i love that advice you know get out and network learn more about the whether it's communities or jobs or industries that you're interested in roshan i've been a pleasure having you on thank you so much and i look forward to catching up with you again soon yeah rush thank you <laughs>